This episode discusses subjects that may be inappropriate for little children. Listener discretion is advised. Which Muslim travels post 9-11 without their passport? I'm a Muslim and that's okay presents Gift of the Gab. Because everybody's got something to say. Hi everyone, may peace be on you all and welcome to another episode of I'm a Muslim and That's Okay. And this is another one of my Gift to the Gap segment. And I have a very special guest with me that I met and y'all saw it on my Instagram. I was at the podcast movement convention in Dallas because that's how I roll. I'm not going to fly out anywhere. That's how I am. But <laughs> I was very fortunate to meet my guest, RJ Zimmerman. How are you, RJ, a fellow podcaster? I am. I'm doing well, all things considered. Uh, I <laughs> you just came back. It. You're recovering, RJ. Right, right. And it was <laughs> the convention was incredible on multiple fronts. Like, um, it was great meeting people like you. Like, you were the very first person that I met. Yeah. Besides uh, my friend who, uh, Miriam, who Miriam, has, yes, uh, yeah. And um, so that was. It, it was awesome to meet you like how I how I did. And then the next couple of days was actually like learning a little bit, but then a little mm-hmm. bit of self-discovery about me and like my journey and stuff that we can get into. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, I'm like, I'm so energized still, you know, it's been yeah. a week and I'm still energized from it. It, so. it was a great learning experience. I can like vouch for that for sure. And but here's the thing you talk about, you know, your journey of self-discovery and we're going to get into that because RJ, as I mentioned before, he is a fellow podcaster and he has a very specific podcast called The Untapped Keg. It is about your journey of sobriety because you've been eight years sober from alcohol and drugs and it's your journey of being sober and what comes with it. And I know I've been following you on Instagram and your your discovery during the convention about yourself. You were documenting some more self-discovery during your time at the podcast movement. Um, so if you could, I mean, take us back to the point and you had mentioned this to me. We had our conversation, very first conversation. We're sitting there and, you know, they're they're having the intros and everything. And we had our conversation. And you had mentioned that um, you didn't realize that you had a drinking problem before. Um, at what point did that realization come to you? So for myself, um, it was... Oh, I was probably, I've had, I had a few people talk to me, friends in college who were like, Hey, you are drinking a lot, but like you're drinking a lot and, right. uh, we're a little bit worried about you. And what it was, was every single time I drank, I blacked out. Oh, wow. And so I would drink until I couldn't walk until I couldn't talk. And then I'd come to and drink some more until the next morning. And waking up and my first thought always being, okay, who do I have to apologize to this morning? Going through my phone, looking at texts. It's like, this is not a way to live. Like, I don't feel like most people are living this way. Right. Um, right. And then 
I got into a relationship and I was like, I, w- I want to take this relationship to the next level. I want mm-hmm. to start a family. Right. I don't have a career right now. Like my life has no direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went out with some friends back in my hometown. So I grew up in Wisconsin. And for people who don't know, Wisconsin is massive drinking culture. So I went back to my hometown, got absolutely wasted. Um, I ended up missing plans that I had with my girlfriend. And um, I texted and I said, hey, just so you know, I'm not going to make it. She said, yeah, I figured. So I wasn't really planning on you being there anyway. And I was like, oh, huh. That's disgusting. That was my first two-day hangover where I could not keep anything down, water, food, nothing till uh, 2 a.m. the next day. Oh, wow. And so I was like, I can't do this anymore. I Mm -hmm. I want to start a family. Right. I want a career. Right. I want my life to have direction. Right. And so that was the last time that I drank. That's that's incredible. But here's the thing. I mean, as someone who's never had a drop to drink, I'm I'm speaking for myself culturally. I've never had yep. a drop to drink. And it's it's one of those things that when we spoke and I was like, I do want to somehow, you know, bring awareness to the fact that this is not not that this is not just that this is an issue but that the recovery from this is difficult but for you it it came with not one kind of healing but two separate kinds of healing so when you started becoming sober i think and that's that's the gift of the, what my gift of the gab about is today not just your sobriety but the fact that it led you to your mental healing as well, mental wellness as well, which is something which even now you can say 2022 is still taboo for a lot of men. So please walk us through this. So you have that, I guess, aha moment that this is not taking me where I need to be. How did you then begin? Because from my understanding of it, it's not easy at all. No. And I didn't know 12-step programs, so I didn't do AA. I didn't do anything. Mm -hmm. I did it on my own. Um, Luckily, I'm stubborn and I'm (laughs) (laughs) more stubborn than alcohol is. But um, it, it honestly, it took me four and a half years before I really started to heal. Um, before I started to look into why did I drink the way that I drank and Mm -hmm. I've been doing the podcast for about two and a half years Mm -hmm. and the podcast has really sped up that journey hearing other people talk talking to professionals and then taking a look back at my life and just talking things out loud that I wouldn't normally talk about out loud Um, so the career I went into was high voltage line tech so I work on high voltage electricity oh wow Oh, yeah. That's a dangerous thing while you're drinking, RJ. <laughs> yeah. So, well, I didn't I didn't start it till after I got sober. Thank so, that's you. a good thing. But, <laughs> yeah. yes, I I would be lying if I didn't say I didn't work with some people who were a little inebriated wow. uh, out on the job. So, uh, <laughs> that still happens. Um, but going into that profession, mm-hmm. you know, the, the blue collar the masculine men kind of a thing. Right. 
you don't talk about honestly much about life. Like if mm-hmm. things are getting you down, if you're struggling, you just grunt and bear. And that's how I was raised. You know, you just you grit your teeth and you just power through it. And you don't feel except for mm-hmm. what I, how I was raised. Right. Even joy had to be tempered. So if it was anger, anger is okay. Could I ask? Could I yeah. ask? Was that just for men when you were growing up or men and women or was like for joy? I'm speaking of joy. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I was going to say, uh, it is, I would say on both sides of uh, men and women, like girls, their emotions are also tempered as well. Oh, wow. But they're allowed more of a range, right? Right, 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 right. And when you see a boy crying, it comes with anger. Why are you crying? You can't. Oh cry. yeah. Uh, what are you doing? That, that was that was the thing that it was immediate, yeah. immediately shut down. Um, I the thing is, I think it was surprised. I was surprised when you talked of joy, because mm-hmm. if I had to like picture it in my head, I know that even culturally, for anywhere in the world, it's one of those things that if your boy is crying, you're not strong enough, and and mm-hmm. a, a whole number of insults that are hurled at at poor young young boys just because they're crying, which is a normal thing to feel grief. But when you said happiness, I was like, oh, wow, that's a tough one to have to temper. And I think it, you know, looking back, I didn't realize it until mm-hmm. I started to look into my emotions and why I'm kind of pretty straight. Mm. Like, I, I don't have much for a peak and I don't have much for a valley. That's not so much the case anymore, but what it was, you know, if I showed too much happiness, well, you're hurting other people's feelings. You can't do that. What about the people who aren't experiencing that, right? Mm -hmm. You need to hold it in. And then, um, it, that just, it kind of makes you that one note and then it's just straight anger and that's it. And so I had anger, um, anger management problems all through high school and Mm. I worked on it in college. And what I ended up doing is I would shut down. Just, oh, wow. I'm not going wow. to explode. I'm just going to, nope, cutting this situation off, kind of get out of it. A few hours later, be a little bit angry. But I felt so much about like, I'm going to take that energy and I'm going to use it. And I'm going to use it for something different. And even like crying, I always said, you know, I never cried um, from the, so I cried my last baseball game in high school, when we lost, I cried. Mm-hmm. And um, my family comes up to hug me, and I'm just bawling. Oh, and my dad is like, what are you crying about? This is nothing to cry about. You need to toughen up. And oh, it's like, wow. okay. And my dad is, uh, you know, from probably sixth grade, it was ha- straight handshakes, like no oh, hugs. Oh, my gosh. Oh. We're just going to – and. At first, I was like, oh, I'm being an adult. Like, this is right, this right. is great. But um, his youngest brother passed away my sus, freshman year in college. Mm. And that changed him um, right. from an emotional perspective where how he is now is not how he was when I was growing up. Right. And it just sometimes I think that when... I look back at it, it's different from how 
other people look back on it because they can remember they know how he is now right um but like seeing the person that he was like i thought that to provide for my family to be emotionally just steady or rock no matter what mm-hmm. that's what a man needed to be that's right. how you provide for your family that's how you're a good father that's how you're a good partner spouse right. um so that's what i did and that's what i did when i went sober too i didn't didn't look into my emotions and look into what, what i was doing but my youngest son was born who's three now and i'm struggling at work struggling at home mm-hmm. struggling with everything i don't have anybody i can talk to at a deep level right I don't have anybody in my family i can have those kinds of conversations with um because it's going to be oh you're being dramatic oh right, you right. Know, we can't talk so i go in and i well i end up missing a couple of uh doctor's appointments and I can't remember how to do basic things at work that I've been doing for a very long time. And at this, yeah, and at this point I'm a foreman. So I'm leading a crew right. of, you know, these masculine men that we're talking about. <laughs> and <laughs> so I end up going in and I get diagnosed with ADHD. Ah, I see. And at this point, like I didn't look into ADHD. ADHD is just, you know, you're hyper. Sometimes you can't focus all of this, um, right. these things you, when you do focus, you get tunnel vision, that kind right. of a thing, uh, which now we know is hyper focusing. Hyper focusing. And, yes. uh, it, I ended up getting some medications and that, mm-hmm. that helped a little bit. And then it's, I'm going to start to look at why did I drink the way that I drank? Um, and at that point I actually started therapy because, um, my wife came to me right around that time and told me she wanted to get a divorce Mm. and rocked my world because I'm a really good dad. I take care of the kids. Every single moment I'm home, hundred percent of my attention is on the kids. Right. I'm providing for the family. We have a house. We have no need, no wants. Um, I helped her start a business that's mm-hmm. thriving. I help out whenever I can. What do you mean you want a divorce? Right. And her answer is, you're not emotionally available. I can't have conversations with you. And this made me start thinking, like, what does that even look like? And that's where, I mean, if I if I could, like, like put a pause right there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the thing. I mean, when you said that I provide for my family, I take care of my kids and I help my wife, you're sort of checking all the boxes in your head. And a lot of people would look look at you and you're like, your wife is so lucky. She has everything she could ever need. You know, that's the narrative that is like fed to a lot of guys. Oh, you put like food on the table and you have a nice house and, you know, you're a great dad. You play with your kids. What could more could she want? So when um, she and again, this is not a placing blame sort of situation. But -hmm. when your wife came to you and said, you're not emotionally available to me, because for most, especially men, it would be like, what do you mean? Why is that necessary? How did you process that? Well, 
a little bit, you know, a little bit more about me. Like, so she's a marriage and th family therapist. So mm -hmm. I know where she's coming from. I know that's important to her. Um, you know, I went when I was in college, I studied psychology for four years and I blame myself for pretty much everything. Uh, <laughs> I did. I did before that. So she brings this up and I sit there and I mean, I'm shocked. I'm not saying anything. And right. like I said, I, sh I shut down when I get mad at this right, point. Right, like right, I feel right. too much emotion. My emotions are too big. Right. Um, and so I'm just sitting there and I'm like, yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm not. And I said, we had just had our youngest. Our youngest oh, is not wow. even four or five months. Right. I said, give me a year. I said, if there's no change in a year and you still want this, I won't stand in your way. Mm -hmm. And that was the point where I went to therapy mm -hmm. because I knew I had hangups. I knew I had things that when they happened, I shut down right, and couldn't come back from. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of the very beginning of when I started to look at why I drank the way I drank, mm. and what I do with my emotions. Right. And here's the thing. You are now going to therapy. And at this point, has it been that year? And what have you so far discovered when going to, to therapy about your emotions and why you respond the way you do? Well, I a lot of what I learned, I actually didn't learn in therapy. Um, oh, I, see. I learned about uh, them most in reading books, um, mm -hmm. listening to, you know, TED Talk type of things. But also, like, when I started to really um, learn from the podcast, I learned a lot. And, from your own po podcast, from doing yes, your own podcast. Yeah. yeah. Like talking with people who are smarter than me. Like, right. It's it's amazing to be able to learn from people in different right, perspectives. Right. Like that's what life is about: learn from right. different perspectives. Right. And when the, when I started therapy, like I went in and I said, "I have the emotional intelligence of a eight year old," because but that was how about. Did the you point. know that? Like, here's the thing: at this point, okay, whenever I'm on the internet, I'm continuously disappointed with the. I guess the emotional integrity of a lot of men that exist on the internet. Yeah. They're operating at a very low emotional level. Yep. How were you able to really ascertain this, that I don't have the emotional maturity that I need? Um, I couldn't name my emotions. If I was feeling something, oh, I couldn't wow. name them beyond happy, mad, glad, sad. That's it. Ah, and see. anger. So when you can't name your emotions, how do you know what you're feeling? Right, right. And so, you know, I started talking about how I didn't cry for years. Right. I felt like it was a, a waste of energy to cry. Mm -hmm. I now know that it takes infinitely more energy to not cry. Right. It's actually than it does to cry. It's right. crying resets Mm -hmm. your body resets right. your emotions and i didn't understand that because men don't cry so why would i cry that's like i could take that energy right. and use it elsewhere right but again now 
as you've said, you found out a lot of these things on your own while doing your podcasts through your guests. I mean, through conversations, perspectives, a lot of these things. Um, but how would you have like would you have other men like come to this realize? Oh, or first of all, let's get to this. What good has this discovery done for you, RJ? Okay, <laughs> you're crying over here, feeling right. all sorts of these emotions. <laughs> so, what good is this? Right. Um, I can be happy and laugh like full belly laugh. Oh, that's that's fantastic. <laughs> I want to start there. Like, so I'm working on myself, right, for a few years, <laughs> and it's coming somewhat slow. I had a realization. Um. First, it was that my kids would tell me that I'm being mean to them. Oh. This was about a year ago, maybe a little mm -hmm. bit less. And they, I would get mad. I'm like, you don't know what mean is. Like, right. I can show you mean. Yeah. And then their mom turns and looks at me and goes, why are you getting mad at a three-year-old for saying you're mean? Like, right. is it because you're jealous of the childhood you're giving him? And I'm took a step back it's got a sting but I, I get that yeah i'm like yes i am right because i'm allowing them to feel emotions like right, right. it wasn't the stuff right i didn't really grow up wanting like i was very i was a very simple child you let me go outside right. and play i'm happy right. you get me a ninja turtle figure every six months i'm good to go like that's right. all i mean <laughs> my imagination ran wild so but the the emotional neglect that I got was mm. was what stuck, right? And I didn't even realize that till that moment. Right. That sparked something that I need to look back on. And then from there, it was um, I'm looking at them, and I'm at, I'm at a low point at this right. point, and I'm like, how could these kids love someone? who is such a piece of crap. I'm mm. such a piece. Of, how could they, they love me? So I'm looking at them and I'm wondering this and I realize who thinks like that? Mm. Like I really do hate myself because okay. it, when I look in the mirror, what do I, what do I see? And I don't remember looking in the mirror and ever being like, you know what? You're, you're doing good. You're a good dad. Like, any of this mm. no i looked in the mirror i'm like you need to do better you are not good you're a bad person i think that's a very primal driving force in a lot of men that you're not doing enough yeah. or that you're not good enough and again this is this comes from a lot of like historical conditioning that yep. you got to push harder you got to be tougher and any number absolutely so and that's that's one of those things that like a lot of men don't cut each other a break and themselves inadvertently yep yep has and that change rj it has it, i hope and so I'm not saying it's perfect it's, i'm not <laughs> saying i'm perfect like I've gotten to the point where I look in the mirror and I say, you're all right. You're yeah. All right. And like, that's way better than where I was. Right. So I start, I, I went to, you know, I've had three or four therapists mm -hmm. and um, that's something that I learned through the podcast too. 
you can shop around for therapists. You don't have to go to the same one. You don't have to pick one and be like, I'm stuck with this person. Right, right. So my newest therapist, I really like because he's also sober. Mm. I can have conversations and he can, he'll dig deeper. Right, right, right. Um, And that's, that's helped a lot. And that's kind of, that's what I need. Like I I need a hand to get deeper into things. So if I have to ask you two questions, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't mean to interrupt, but I have to ask you two questions throughout this journey. Okay. uh, We have to take into consideration that you are also on a journey of sobriety. It's not just that, yeah, you gave up drinking and everything's fine. Okay. I'm like, I mean, I didn't even, it didn't even occur to me that when we were at the podcast movement uh, event, lots of parties at night, like a whole lot of drinking. And, yep. you know, how does somebody who's going through sobriety handle that when it's there? You're at this event and everybody's drinking, but you're not. And especially um, you're in a new town, it can yeah. cause I mean, it causes me anxiety. I don't know about you. I, I have like a lot oh, of yeah. social anxiety. I was like, I would if I was a drinker, I'd be like chugging stuff down. <laughs> yeah, and you know that is like, yeah, it it is difficult. Like it is, right. and it, everybody has their own way to go about it. So right. I have been very exposed to it being in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Um, so after about I don't know six months or so i started to ease myself back into like uh going to a bar at night and but always with a friend started with somebody i could trust and if i started to miss it if i started getting a craving if i started um anything i don't even say bye to anybody i just ghost i'm leaving Mm. and it's still it's similar like if i get to that point i'll walk around do something moving wise because if you're moving Right. You're not thinking about a lot of other stuff other than moving and where you're going. But I think I think my thing is that you're also on this journey of emotional healing. Yeah. And that's not linear for anybody no. out there. Healing is not linear. And sometimes a lot of really bad stuff comes up. And the temptation like I yep. come from a long line of emotional eaters. Trust me, there's been a lot of like ice cream <laughs> consumed in all the wrong times. But you know, those are the times when it's very tempting to be like, I need this. I'm not in a good spot. What do you do then? I eat. <laughs> and I'm being serious. So, <laughs> so like, you know, I have my, if I get very stressed out, right? I, ha- I, t- I tend to have a Mountain Dew, right. and a little Debbie. Like, and the little Debbie, you know, it's like a hostess treat. Oh, yeah. yeah. If people don't know what that is. So, like, I have my treats that I go to when I'm really stressed out. Right, right. And going through this emotional journey, I've been working, like, really hard. Harder than I have, my honestly, my entire life on myself. Right. And not from a physical standpoint, but from, you know, a really soul level. Right, Not just the mental level, but like my entire soul. Right. And that is what kind of culminated at a podcast movement where that first day, nobody initiated a conversation with me. Nobody. And, you know, you and I, and this is, I get the first official day, right? Because we were at a pre-day where we met. But you're the only person that I talked to uh, at the event. And like, otherwise it was Miriam and like, that was it. And I'm like, 
why is nobody talking to me? So I thought it might have been the mask. So the second day I wore my Ninja Turtle mask. Right. And I'm like, okay, you know, who's not going to come up and talk? And I tried to dress like, I didn't dress like super fancy. Right. But I didn't go like all the way casual. I'm like trying to make it so I'm approachable. And I did go to the party the first night. I actually went to the party every single night. And I go there and every, nobody talks to me. Wow. And I'm like, and I'm sitting alone and I'm just drinking. But at this point, I got to, I was drinking a Coke. So right. that's what I was drinking. And not judging so, here. <laughs> I'm, I'm walking around. I'm starting to feel like, you know, what, why is nobody talking to me? Like, and I already mm. felt bad because nobody came up and talked to me at the conference. And then, um, I'm sitting at the chair at a seat and I'm like, you know, I've worked really hard to be okay with myself. I can sit here and watch these people interact and kind of laugh at some of the guys that are super creepy and like be (laughs) sure that there's nobody in a dangerous like situation. Um, So I'm just sitting there and being okay with myself and then I leave and I'm like, you know what? This is a new RJ. Yeah, I was kind of feeling bad because that was the old RJ where I would need that outside validation. I would need people to come and talk to me and experience a little bit more. That doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt, but it does mean that I can be alone and be okay with it. Could I ask, like before when you drank, did you find yourself to be more outgoing or more i guess fun i don't know that's a very subjective thing but i was the life of the party when i drank so people would always ask where i was uh they'd always ask my friends my friends would text hey everybody's asking about you when you're gonna get here and then i'd get here and be like oh it was boring thank god you're here Ah. um and there were times where it was very unhealthy like Mm -hmm. I was almost a clown, like right, kind right. Of thing. Yeah. Like, oh, we need RJ so we can have somebody to laugh at and feel better about ourselves. Oh, wow, that kind of a thing, right? And I didn't realize it until right. years after, where I'm like, the way they actually like their tone and everything, right? They definitely were not my friends, right? And, right. Um, but this time, like, I'm walking home from this party, and I'm like, why would I expect? things that the old RJ got if I am not that RJ. That's right. And that started me to kind of look at some of the aspects of my life. Like I started asking myself, have I been going through life as a supporting character in my own story? Oh, wow. That's a tough one. And I I have. (laughs) I have. I've always put my needs on the back burner, no matter Ah, what. Ah, I see. Yeah, yeah. Except for when I was drinking. Right, and right. all I needed then was alcohol. Mm. And do you feel? And again, we're. This is the aspect that for that for a lot of men, that even with when you see how society is constructed, you know, men are mm-hmm. in positions of power, leadership, all of those things, that they don't see themselves as they only see themselves as supporting role, or I mean. How do you feel that your dad saw himself and maybe you inherited some of that? Um, I think yes. Like, I don't know if my dad saw himself as a supporting character in his own story, 
but I do think that he had um, bouts where he was put on the back burner. His needs were put on the back burner. He would always put oh, his needs on the back burner. And so he was going to teach me to do the same. Mm. Um, but I also think that the do anything for family mm-hmm. and no matter how you treat your family, like they owe you because they're family. Right. 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 I think that that's something that I don't vibe with. That's something that I right. don't subscribe to. Because again, it's and, a very, yeah, it's a very dangerous dynamic sort of thing. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. And I think that when a lot of people interact, um, especially men, mm-hmm. a lot of context is removed from actions. It is that's when how so. Now, this so is when interesting talking, again because I'm yeah. not a like a not not like a dude. So I mean, <laughs> right. For us, communication is different. And I know for men, it's different as well. So how? what do you mean that context is removed? So I, I noticed it at work. Mm-hmm. That was where I noticed it first. And um, people would talk about how people were, did a job. Why would you do that? That's so dumb. Like, how dumb are you? You don't know how to do this? Like, do you like doing things wrong? And it's like, well, it was 2 o'clock in the morning, uh, you know, 20 degrees below zero. Right. They had, they were 40 minutes away from the office and they had to get these people back in power. I think they just did whatever they could. Right, right. But that context was never afforded. Like the way that people talked about it was, it was normal working hours on a bluebird day, which would be blue skies, you know. Right, right, right. That was how they attributed it to everything. And I started thinking about it and I'm like, everybody's actions when we talk about it or feelings right right we don't allow context to come into it right it's like everything's in a vacuum and i think that is one of those things that is that may be a majority men thing because for women um again we're so used to like looking at so many facets of everything because Mm -hmm. we have we're socially conditioned to take care of um you know family matters kid matters extended relatives, whatever you want to call it. And for us, context comes automatically. But I don't think that that's the same way for men. And a lot of what we do in society too as men is other men are competition, Mm. whether it be for women, whether it be tribalism, whatever it is. Right. Jobs. Um, And then also like a lot of it is like women are a prize, right? So that's where we don't have camaraderie with one another. Right. And then also, you know, let's be honest, like men are predatory. So women have to keep their guard up around us. (laughs) So especially if they don't know us. Right. So like knowing this, Mm -hmm. knowing what's going on inside my mind too. Sometimes I wonder if people can see the storm that's going on inside my head. And like mm-hmm. if my face has this intense look on it because I'm right. battling myself inside. Ah. Uh, but when it comes to talking to men about right. feeling, you have to add context. But how easy is it to talk to men about feelings? I think that would be my next question. Like, again, I come from a certain very specific generation where... Mm-hmm. I have never seen that happen at all, no matter where or when or which relation it is. 
men did not say that I feel sad about this. I am hurt by this and I don't know what to do. So like, how can men talk to each other about these things that are integral for them to discuss, but they're not taught how to do this? And that's where it really starts is learning mm. and wanting to learn and not just learning about emotions, but learning about your friend, like at a real level, learning about other people. And it's hard. It's it's hard with your now, friends. If I, if I could interrupt yeah. and again, I hate doing this, but here's the thing, RJ, what's the point? Really? I, I see specific, very specific. I'm not going to name names podcasters that are out there saying that those men who show emotions are simps and all manner of things that are derogatory. I am the alpha male and alpha males don't show emotions and it's all bad. There's a lot of men out there who are listening to all this tripe and they're like, what's the point of discovering emotions? What's the validity of any of these emotions when all I want is money and gals so what's the validity of any of this i mean the validity validity is do you want to be your best mm. because your best is with emotions that's very your powerful is not being a shell right and that i had to learn the hard way mm. it is not fun being 36 well almost 36 35 and learning how to feel your emotions Feeling like a teenager again because these are the this is the first time that I've let, allowed this to happen. Right. Um, I've kind of alluded to it, but like I'm going through a separation right now. Mm -hmm. Two little kids. It is hard. Right. And even though it's not a quote unquote messy divorce, that doesn't mm -hmm. make it easy. Like, right. Neither of us set out to, you know, not be together. Right. And, you know, we're still we're still partners in raising our kids. So that doesn't mean that there's not emotions, but through your emotions, not over, not around, not pushing them down. Right. Through those bad emotions on the other side is just as high of a good emotion. It is that joy. Right. It is that happiness. And you right. can't find it by trying to go around or over you have to go through right and it takes a lot more grit and a lot more energy it, it takes less energy but it does take a lot more what's the word i'm looking for um it is harder it is harder to let but would you say that suffer. it's tougher to have emotions than not to have emotions absolutely absolutely and you don't even when you're not feeling your emotions, you're always on eggshells. Mm. You're always wondering, you know, why you can't get comfortable. Right. What's the next thing that's going to happen that you're going to have to push away? Because it's going to be something. Right. And that's life. There is going to be something. Right. So if there's anybody out there listening, it doesn't have to be a man, but like since coming from your experience um there are problems that like just suppressing can't fix going to therapy helped you 
And if there is some someone who's a guy who's out there, he's listening to any of this and he's like, I don't understand the need for this. And I know you've mentioned that, you know, having those real deep feelings is worth so much more. But then in the wider context, if you had to put it, why should men be going to therapy? Like, what's the biggest thing that could come out of this if like in a population of 300 million, even half of the men of that population went to therapy? What would be the advantage of it? There'd be a lot less violence. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you want to be honest from a man, man's perspective, right? from a absolute like manly man, right? the sex is a lot better. Like being hey! when you're connecting at a different level and you're allowing yourself to be vulnerable, to feel what is happening. Like it is, it is head and shoulders better. Mm. Um, you'll be able to go on vacation and actually enjoy it instead right. of wondering how, how am I going to pay for this? How am I going to, you know, I don't know if I like this. Like, this isn't what I want to do. Um, also, less people take advantage of you. Right. How so? Because when you're feeling your emotions, you're going to let people know. Like, hey, that's it's not okay to talk to me like that. Hey, mm. I understand that you are stressed out. Okay. I completely and totally understand that. But you don't get to talk to me that way. Mm. You don't get to talk to people that way. Right. And you don't get to treat others that way. Right. I used to always just let people walk all over me mm. because like, what's the, what's the point of necessarily fighting back till you get to the point where you're going to be throwing fists. Right. I mean, have you ever had to have that situation where like you're setting boundaries and somebody's ready to throw fists? That'd be scary. Uh, actually <laughs> at, it was pretty close at podcast, uh, podcast. Oh, move. wow. Oh, really? there was a men's group there. Right. Um, in the expo. And my friend told me I should stop and talk to them. I didn't know mm -hmm. that I was being set up. And oh, um, <laughs> so we're talking and we're having a pretty good conversation. And I have a pin that says he, him on my badge. Mm -hmm. And the leader of the group comes up. He's the mentor. And you know, right. he's like, hey, I really want you to meet this person. He's been sober and talks about mental health. And he's like, oh, that's awesome. And he sees the pin. He's like, let me ask you about this right here. And he flips my pin and I'm like, okay, Ooh. what? And he's like, so I ended up staying there for over an hour having a conversation about safe spaces at a toddler level, having a conversation about pronouns at a toddler level and trying to give context to people who remove wow. context from everything. And when you think about men and especially white men mm. remove context from everything because we don't have the context for a lot of social interactions right you have to explain that context into it right so when you talk about safe spaces mm. you have to talk about you ever been around that boss that 
you ask that question and they're just on you and they make you feel like crap and you just stop going to them and stop asking questions. Right. And then there's that coworker, you know, you can go talk to because they're not going to act like you're the biggest dummy in the world. If you ask them a question and you feel comfortable said, that's a safe space versus an unsafe space. So you have to, you have to give the context. You have to walk them, pick them their hand. And I, I honestly figured this out with my toddler and Mm. trying to explain concepts to him that he has there's nothing he's three yeah (laughs) so how do you how do you do and i'm like wait a second i've had a conversation like this and then i'm talking you're a better man than i am rj trust me i'm five foot nothing you've seen me i would have thrown (laughs) hands right and it was like he took he so he kept saying like i I mean no offense and like everything but he was like getting very aggressive talking to me about this but i just i never budged and like he wanted to take my values and toss them down the drain i kept i kept sticking to my guns like no you're not gonna say this no that is amazing rj and and that's the thing and it wanted to be on my podcast (laughs) and that's the thing that this is it if anybody whoever is watching this on youtube you want to know the the advantage of finding and really processing emotion you are it okay to be able to go through that and not and still hold your peace in a situation like that that is absolutely amazing that is the culmination that the real epitome of strength because it's not easy to do and you know it takes work it's not easy but it's worth it Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, you're not walking around like a Neanderthal who's just whose sole purpose is to start fights. And I mean, how much fun is talking about the weather or the local news every single day? Right. Let's have some right. fun conversations. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <it> is, like, <laughs> that's the that's the thing. That's Did you what see the tra- traffic on I-95? It's like, yeah. please don't care. <laughs> I can't I believe it. <laughs> and this doesn't mean that I don't lose my temper now, right? Yeah, yeah. I still do. Like, yeah. I'm a, I'm more patient with my kids. That doesn't mean that I hold it perfect every time. Like I'm human. Right, right, right. But we can have conversations like this. We can have conversations. I've had conversations with friends, and I've gotten to know them better than I've known them my entire life. And these are friends mm. that have had since kindergarten. Wow. It's hard. Right. Broach it to be right. like, no, I'm not talking about like at a surface level. I mean, right. seriously, how are you doing? Right. And right. you don't always feel. And I think that this is also like where we get in trouble sometimes as men too. Like when you're in a relationship with someone and you think it's okay to open up. So you open up and then it's kind of thrown back at you either mm. right away or later on down the road. But like, you know, that happens with friends too, but right. sometimes it's not about fixing. It's about mm. just listening. Right. Right. And when you listen, there's a lot more understanding. Right. And I think and that's, wow. that's one of those things that, um, and a lot of women need, and that's what we have when we have communication with other women. It's not when we're talking, it's not that we need something fixed. 
it's more like I'm having a really bad day and somebody did something to me. I just need to have it come out sort of situation. Mm-hmm. Um, not It's not a matter of something needing to be fixed. But when when people are heard, it makes them feel that they matter. And I think that comes with this sort of emotional healing that you are able to hear what people are really saying. And it makes the other person feel important. Absolutely. And you know, sometimes we need to be validated. Like, mm-hmm. you're right. That person was in the wrong. Like, you, right. yeah, you deserve to be angry about that. But, or given, you were know, given an honest time? opinion. Okay. If yeah. you're being the jerk, somebody has to tell you. Being the jerk, you yeah. need to stop. And be honest with yourself. Yeah. Like, that, that has helped me so much. Sometimes to a fault. Like, I've mm. taken the blame for things. And looking back, I've realized I took the blame for that. And that was not me. Right. And yeah, that does, you know, beat things down. But if you just keep pushing your emotions away, you'll never work on it. You'll never get past it. That situation happens again. You're going to go back to how you were when you first experienced it. Right. Right. And now, you know, I would love it if you could tell everybody where they can listen to you, to your podcast, um, Untapped Keg, and where they can find you on social media and also about you had mentioned that you now have a group of men who are also on the same journey of mental wellness and emotional discovery please tell us about that as well yeah so you can find the podcast at untapped keg on all uh, podcast platforms if you go to untappedkeg.com there's a nice page there where you can find all the episodes and click the button it'll take you to the uh, podcast player that you want um, and then untap keg on all social media platforms, uh, one word. So nobody took untap keg for anywhere. And <laughs> so we got it everywhere. I got it everywhere. Um, and then one of my really good friends that I made while podcasting, um, he's one of my best friends. Mm-hmm. His name is big Kev from laugh for a purpose. And him and I started a men's group because we had talked about how, you know, we were raised and how. We both, like, he didn't struggle with substances. Right. He struggled with suicidal ideation and oh, depression. Wow. Our journeys, very much parallel paths. Mm. And we decided that we were going to have a group of men. And it started as, we call it a burn meeting. You write down mm-hmm. the thing that is blocking you in life the most, talk about it, and you burn it. And then we move on past it. And just about every single person, I want to say we had 12 people at the first meeting over Zoom. I think there was only one person who didn't. Everybody wrote themselves, like Mm. self-loathing, self-confidence, things along those lines. Right. So we we realized, like, we need to have more of these. So we have it once a month. We put out um, on social media the Zoom meeting, and we just get together. And this is on Untapped Keg. So... We don't air it. It's not recorded. So that right. way people feel comfortable no, but talking. The, but the Zoom link is on Untapped Keg? Or so we, if you DM me, I'll send right. it to you. So okay. that way That's we can great. kind of weed out the, the trolls. But you DM right, me. Right. I, my DMs are open everywhere. Um, right. If you need help with, let's say, substance, if you just need to talk, right. um, I can help find you resources uh, in your area. I will do that. Um, I will help you get, I will, I'll listen to you. Right. And I'll, talk to you at a human level and then i also post daily uh videos no not really daily but sometimes of my journey what i'm going through some revelations some things that are hard being a parent 
uh, mm-hmm. being sober, some advice like through sobriety, but really it's just me being vulnerable with you and showing it's okay. Like I posted a video of me crying because I was watching some TikToks and I'm like, people need to see a grown man cry. And so I took a video of me crying and mm. this is how it is. And, you know, it's easy when people are shouting about how great they are right. and how emotions don't matter. But what you don't realize is how they feel about themselves is mm. coming out through anger. Right. They're just being emotional in a way that you find acceptable. Right, right. And when you start to think about things like that, in that when you preach fear, like whatever energy mm. you put out in the world, and if you put fear out into the world, you're going to be met with fear. Right, right. And if you don't want to be met with fear, it you need to start putting something different out there. Right. Thank you so much, RJ. I think what you do through your podcast and through this, I mean, if I could call it a support group for men, bringing them together to help them find healing and emotional growth. I think it's so fantastic. I will definitely put it put up your links um, on the screen. And so anybody who wants to listen to your podcast, whether they're on their sobriety journey or on their mental health journey, I think it's such a valuable resource. Thank you for all that you do. And thank you to everybody who's listened in and watched us on YouTube. Thank you all for listening and watching. Y'all take care of yourself and may peace be on you all. Thank you so much for tuning in to I'm a Muslim and That's Okay. And if you wish to follow my social media for more updates, you can follow me on Instagram, on Facebook, and on YouTube. All the links to those are in the show notes. And if you are on Apple or on Spotify or on Podchaser, please do give my podcast a five-star rating. It really does help get me, you know, in the public eye. And if you wish to donate to support the podcast, you can do so through the PayPal link in my show notes as well. Take care.